turn to someone next to you and say, now what? And so and if you haven't guessed it, today my title is messaged, now what? 2019, it's quickly approaching. I mean, New Year's is just around the corner. And what I always find amazing about New Year's is that it creates an opportunity for new beginnings. Have you ever seen that as well? So how many people do you know who are starting a new job in 2019? Or maybe they're making goals to, to become better in one area or another in 2019. But it's like New Year's gives us an opportunity to turn over a new leaf. And what I love about this is that we get the, the blessing of not having to be the same person that we are today, tomorrow. It's like God says, his mercies are made new every single day, and we get the opportunity to steward it. Now, I know many of you guys have probably already started your New Year's resolutions. I'm convinced of it. So maybe in this next year, you've decided that you want to be healthier. You know, maybe you're going to finally go get that gym membership, and you're going to kick the soda out of the house. Or um, maybe for the very first time, you're sitting down with your spouse, and you're creating a budget because you have goals for your finances. Or maybe simply it's just that this year, you're gonna actually start reading the Bible, that you wanna know what God's word has to say for yourself. These are all great goals, right? Is it okay if I share a couple of my goals in this next year with you? Okay. All right, so one of them would be that I am hoping to be able to go to the gym four days a week. So you can, yeah, I, woot woot. You can hold me to that, all right? Um, the second one is I want to invest more in my marriage. So I'm, I've made it a plan that twice a month, me and my wife are going on one-on-one -on -one dates. Yes, somebody. <laughs> She's excited. And my third one is that I want to have five days where a week where I have set aside personal concentrated time to just sit, not be distracted, and study God's word and pray. And then my last one is this, that I want to be present more and be serving the community. And so one of the things that I learned as I was, as I was studying New Year's resolutions is this. Did you know that they've actually found a day that 80% of people give up on their New Year's resolutions? Can you guess what day that is? You guys are like shooting people low here the second. Come on. They, they said that 80% of resolutions are failed and people give up on them by January 12th. Man, so you thought you got 12 days of Christmas, but really you got 12 days of resol resolutions um, for this next year. So make the most of what you got because you only got 12 days, right? No, but seriously, I'm believing that God has more and has better for you. But what I would like to do is invite you in on one with me. And I would like for us as a church to be serving the community more. You know, the church is called a city on a hill, right? But I wonder sometimes if we can kind of just get caught up in our days, if we can get caught up in the good things that is church, and we could let that light be covered by a basket. Just like God has said. So what I want to encourage you in, and this is something God has stirred me to, is that we would serve this community well in this next year. I believe that God has greater things ahead of us and they are found in the community in 2019. And so I want, to, I want you to invite you in on that. And today I want to look at a particular passage that God has been speaking to me through. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Isaiah, Isaiah 58. 
and that is found between Song of Solomon and Jeremiah. But before we get started, can we pray today? Father God, we just thank you, Jesus, that we get to come, we get to open up your word, God, that we get to worship you in this place. Jesus, I, I thank you, God, that you have more in store for us if you will give us 2019 than even what you had in 2018, Jesus. And God, we praise you. We give you all the honor. And today we seek to give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so um, we're gonna be looking at Isaiah 58, one through 12 today. And, and here God is speaking through his prophet Isaiah unto Israel, God's people. And here's what it says, verse one. Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. And they say, why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? And God replies, behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. Is such the fast that I chose, a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I chose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and to not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, the speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a water garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And I love this last part. And your ancient ruin shall be rebuilt you shall raise up the foundation of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of streets to dwell in. Come on, are those not some good promises in God's word today? Yes. It, and what I see is God is not only making great promises to his people, but he's also giving them an opportunity to change their perspective. And what we see here is one of two types of promises. And in, in, in scripture, we see two two types. We see unconditional promises, and then we see conditional promises. An unconditional promise is something that hinges on no one except for God. And an example of that would be Genesis 9-11, where after God has flooded the whole earth because of the wickedness of man, he promises, I will never flood the earth again. That promise hinges on no one except for God. But here we see a conditional promise. It's an, it comes in the form of an if-then statement. And if we were to look back at the, 
the chapter, it's almost nearly the entire last half of the chapter is an if-then statement. And so what that means is if God's people will do this, then God will do that. And what he says here is, if you will serve the people, I will bring restoration. And that's where we're going to hang out today. Going to keep it real simple, have two points. Number one, we serve. And number two, God restores. Are you guys excited to jump into this today? All right, let's go. So first, we serve. When we look at Israel, we see that they were worshipers. They were going to church. Essentially, if there was a Bible study, they were at it. If there was a prayer meeting, they were praying. But at the end of the day, they had still missed the point because the whole law was summarized by this, is that you should love God and love people. And see, they had done a really great job at the first half of the equation of, of loving God, but when it came to loving people, they, they've missed the mark. And so it's not as if this is the first time that they're ever hearing this. This is throughout the law of God that they are to be hospitable to the foreigners. They are to go and create a place of refuge. But it says that they, they desire and they seek to know God. They draw close to him, but they have not done his will. And so what I have come to believe is that their perspective was incorrect. You see, they were seeking God for what they could receive from him rather than what God seeked to do through them. So to be honest, let's, let's, give, let's give the Israelites the benefit of the doubt. I mean, needless to say, their lives were probably busy, right? You know, I think that there was probably businessmen in the congregation and, you know, these guys, they were, they were franchising out the, the ancient Panera breads of the, the Israelite world, right? I mean, there's like, there's pita and hummus on every corner. Let's just say that that's what's going on. Or maybe the laundry, oh my goodness, the laundry pile just did not stop. Like the chores are just coming. They're, they're you know, you're 10 deep on chores to do every day. Or let's not even begin to mention little Billy's extracurriculars, which is insane, you know? In that time, the kids, if they were going to school, they were memorizing the first five books of the Bible. Could you imagine doing that kind of homework with your child today? Come on, somebody. But what we see is that they had still missed the point. There was no excuse because even in the busyness, God has called us. He's always called his people to be present. See, what was going on is they had the power to address the issues that were at hand, but yet they were not seeing the people that they were walking by. See, they had the power to address the oppression, just as it said, but yet they chose to be busy with other things. So ultimately what it comes down to is that they were caught up in themselves and we could say that they had become really great hearers of the word, but they had not yet become doers of the word. And James, the half-brother of Jesus, he writes to the New Testament church in James 2, 14 through 17, says this. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled. 
without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now, today, we stand here as sinners who are saved by grace through faith to the glory of God, but we are still not excluded from doing the works of God. And to me, this dialogue that's going on between Israel and God, I kind of see it playing out as like a father-son conversation, and maybe this sounds all too familiar for you, but but what I see is like a father approaching his son like, hey, in this house, we value having a clean room, and we have company coming over, and then the son's like, yeah, dad, I agree, which no son ever said, but but then it's like, okay, so company's coming in quickly, so I need you to go clean your room, and then, you know, as teenagers do, it's just like, yeah, I hear you. No, like, did you hear me? Like, right now, go clean your room. Company is on the way. Well, you see, Dad, um, I've actually made plans that for the next 48 hours straight, I'm going to be playing Fortnite with my friends. And, yeah, so, but then the father's like, are you serious? Like, for the love of your father, go clean your room. And this sounds crazy, but Israel is still like, I love you, Dad, but I'll do it later. And I don't know that I've, I could say this, but I mean, that seems like the perfect opportunity for corporal punishment. Wouldn't you say, like, spare the rod, spoil the child kind of moment here? <laughs> yep, one amen. Um, but no, I know that this seems ridiculous, but, but this is the situation that's at hand. And that's what God is addressing in Isaiah 58. He says, you love to draw near to me. You love to be in my presence, but yet you do not observe the things that I've asked of you. You say you know me, but if you knew me, you would do these things. And so God is challenging his church in that. But to be honest, it's, it's hard to acknowledge all the pain and the oppression that's around in the world. And I think if we were to be brutally honest, some of us have even asked of God, Lord, I didn't, I didn't make that man cripple. Or God, I didn't cause that person to be poor. But I wonder if the script was flipped, if these people in oppression are saying, God, where are you? And to that, I believe God would, would reply, I'm with, um, my bride is with you. You see, my wife, she has all the same privileges unto my name as I do, right? There's times where I am not able to be present, and so I will send my wife to take care of something for me. And by that, she has all power and the authority that is in my name as a trimmer, hey, to, to act on my behalf. And so not only is the church called the bride of Christ, but we are called ambassadors, And simply what an ambassador is, is that this is someone who is sent by a country to represent them in a foreign land. Did you know that you and I today, we are in a foreign land and God has called us his representatives on earth. So when we are connected with the purposes of God, we actually become a channel through which God's blessings flow for others. So this is what God has called us and seeked for us to do. And I recently read this quote by C.S. Lewis, and to be honest, it, it made me really just stop and just think and just ponder. Have you just ever come across some of those quotes before where it just, it just kind of stops you in your tracks? 
Well, I want to I share you, with you this one. It says, for you will certainly carry out God's purpose, however you act, but it makes a difference to whether you serve like Judas or like John. Man, that, that cuts deep. You see, we are given the opportunity to either be like the, the only disciple who followed Jesus all the way to the cross and stood there at his crucifixion, or we can be like the one who turns our back on God for a prophet. And what's funny is that's actually the language that is being used in verse three. God says, you have sought me this day for your own pleasures. And that is exactly what we see happen with Judas. So, okay, so I know that I need to be God's representative, but how do I even get started? And this would be my my simple advice. Do for one what you wish you could do for all. Just start with one, right? God says, if you're faithful with little, you, uh, you, I will give you plenty. So start with one. Well, to be honest, we can really become overwhelmed with the need. So what need do I even start with? But here, here's what I would say to you. What breaks your heart? God's given you a heart for a reason. He's put that in you. But I wouldn't stop there. I, then I would place it against the lens of what breaks God's heart? And it's at the intersection of those two questions that you will find your burden and the gifting that God has given you. And so for us as a church, we have to ask these questions. But in Isaiah, he gives us some in case you're having a hard time getting started. He says, feed the hungry. He says, bring into your house the poor. And he says, let the oppressed worker go free. And all the fast food workers in here said amen, right? Come on. But did you know through scripture, it also talks about taking care of widows and orphans. Did you know right here in this area that 70% of kids who go into the foster care system actually have to be sent out of this area because there's not enough foster parents right here in Winchester? That should sting. I know for me, I don't, I don't believe that that's okay. And as a church, we've said that this is not okay. This is not God's plan. And so starting in January, in, in January, middle of January to be exact, during both services, we are gonna be holding a class where you can become certified to become a foster parent. Because we believe that the church is not only there to see the problem, but we are, can be the solution to the problem. Amen? So I would challenge you to pray about this. You have a couple weeks, but it doesn't stop there. Did you know that in our community that there are thousands of students who will not eat if they are not in school? That's insane. And so what we've done as a church is we are partnering with a local community organization called Bright Futures to make sure that this is not happening So what we're doing is we're partnering with Bright Futures who is making sure that these kids are provided with meals throughout the week. And not only that, but they are providing these kids with the supplies that they need to be successful in life so that we can break this thing off generations and that we can chart a better path forward for these students. Come on. Is this not what Isaiah is talking about? Being the rebuilder of foundations. But then also, it doesn't stop there. There's so many students in our community who really don't have any positive role models to look up to. 
And at Stonewall Elementary in January, we're going to be partnering with their buddy program. And uh, if you're wondering, Stonewall, Element Stonewall Elementary is where we will be having our Clearbrook campus. And what we are doing is we're going in and spending 20 minutes at a time with some of these students just to simply ask, how are you doing? A lot of these kids come from some troubled backgrounds where um, many of them, their parents are incarcerated. And what I learned through this process so far is crazy is that when someone is incarcerated, there's nearly a 70% reincarceration rate. And so when, when daddy goes to jail and comes back home, these kids don't reattach because they, only, they know that it's only a matter of time before daddy or mommy is back in jail. And so what we are doing is saying, that's not okay. We're coming alongside these kids and we are saying that, you know what? I'm sorry that this has happened to you, but there's a better future for you. There, are, there is something better for you and there is a new life ahead and his name is Jesus. And so we are coming in and we are gonna just give to these kids what they desire from so many but receive from so few and that is our time. It's that simple. And it's just amazing to see you know, Claire and I, we're not, we're not doing this thing alone. We have an amazing team of people who are around us and supporting us. And um, it's been neat as, as even those people have served in the school already, the, the stories that they're telling me of how these kids, just like how little kids are, they'll see them out in public. Hey, aren't you that adult that was at my school? Like, they just stop. They're so brash. But um, they stop them and they recognize them. And they recognize that that person gave them their time. And it's only a matter of time before they realize the person behind the motivation. Once again, Jesus. We are seeking to bring Jesus to this community. But this is what God has called us to. As in the passage, as I said, is that we are to break yokes. We are to break yokes off people's lives. And so physically, a yoke is something that binds you to a heavy object. And a lot of times in scripture, what you see is that it's almost more like a harness that you put on and there's a plow behind you and these oxen or these cattle, they're just pulling this heavy thing through the mud all day long. And what, what goes on is that so many people have these heavy yokes that are stealing from their life and they don't even know it. And so this is the opportunity that the church has, that we get to go down, we get to enter into people's darkest, messiest moments of life and extend to them an arm of hope and show them that there is a new day coming through Jesus Christ. Amen, church? Amen. This is what we're called to do. We are called to break one yoke, but actually to put another one on them. And maybe that sounds counterintuitive, but let me, let me finish that thought that Scripture tells us that Jesus has a yoke. In Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30 says this. It says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is our work. We get to enter into communities by God's grace. We get to 
remove the yoke of these, these heavy, weighty things that could never bring life, and we get to give them a better promise in Jesus. That's what we're called to do. And this has been God's plan from the very beginning, was to restore hope to a broken humanity. And for so many years, as we see with the Israelites, they failed to do what God has said, and it was just simply to be present, to be present. Because you and I, we can't do these things alone. It's not in our own strength that we do this, but it's in God's strength. You remember, we started by talking about the the if-then promise of God. And God says, if we will serve, then God will restore. It is God who brings the restoration, not you and I. We're We're just a channel, we're just the vessel through which it occurs. And I've been talking a lot about the community, but one of the parts of this promise is not only is he gonna restore the community, he's gonna restore you. He has restoration in mind for you. And it's funny because in verse 10, it talks about the gloom. It talks about the gloom that we have, you know, it's, it's represented by this imagery that like life is like a, a rainy day. That's not hard to imagine. It's like 60% of 2018. But, but this is like the representation of the season of life. But he says, when you do these things, he says, your light is gonna break through like the dawn. That out of the darkness will shine a vibrant light. And the light that he actually talks about is the vibrancy of a noonday sun the sun at its highest point. And if we were to continue to go into verse 13, he says that I will sit you at the highest places of the earth. Come on, if that doesn't sound like restoration, then I don't know what does this morning. And so what God is saying to us is that when you serve, and as it says right in Isaiah, your healing will speed up and spring up to fullness. And as I was preparing, I just felt like God was speaking something that, that in our church, that there's many who are, who are just dealing with anxiety or depression. And I want you to know that God's healing is on the way. That God's healing for you is on the way. That your gloom is gonna be turned into the vibrancy of the noonday sun. And that you will be restored to the fullness that God would have you to be. Come on, somebody, if you believe with me for that. I believe this is the word that God is speaking for our church. He says that even in the scorched places, even in the most unhospitable places of life, you will be satisfied. That's his promise. That's not mine. This is what he has promised to us. Church, I I want us to be in Isaiah 58. 12 church and let me read this it says wouldn't it be amazing if we were known as a place where ancient ruins shall be rebuilt where we will raise up the foundations of many generations where we will be called the repairers of the breach and the restorers of streets to dwell in one translation says that you will take unhospitable communities and you will make them livable again. Come on. Church, if we will serve, God has promised in his word 
that he will restore, that we will be known as the repairers of the breach and the restorers of the streets. Church, this is revival. If you've been praying for revival, this is revival. Revival is that the church would stick around longer than the gangbangers, longer than the drug dealers, longer than the liquor stores, to make a difference, to take the brokenness of past generations and to raise it up to new life, to take what was broken and make it new in Him. This is our work. As we go into 2019, we are called to be restorers through Jesus. I just want us today, will you, will you stand with me as, as we just pray? And we're gonna, before we leave today, we're gonna worship God because we, we get the opportunity to worship Him one more time before 2019 comes in and we turn over a new leaf, baby. Come on, pray with me. Father God, we thank you, Jesus. God, we praise you for everything that you're doing. God, if you will give us 2019, Lord, God, we ask that you would do immeasurably more through us than what we did in 2018. Jesus, God, if, if we will serve, your word says that we will restore. And so, Lord, I just ask that you bring your promise into fruition today, Jesus, that as we serve you, as we scatter from this place, Lord, that you will bring restoration to this community, that our community will begin to look a little bit more like heaven. And God, we pray that through our works that heaven will become more crowded in eternity because of the things that you would have us to do, Jesus. Lord God, we praise you. We give you all the glory. And in Jesus' name, together we said, amen.